Good morning, everybody. Just uh, falling a little bit behind the way here. It's uh, it's Brad Spillane. It's the Men's Mental Health Show. And uh, we're back for another week after uh, last week's show with the lovely Robin Catchlove. If you didn't hear that, Robin's uh, also a presenter here at the show and uh, perhaps our number one fan of the Men's Mental Health Show and very supportive on what we do. Um, and it was a terrific show. So if you want to have a listen back, you can do that through any of the uh, podcasts or leading podcast platforms um, that you listen to your podcasts on. Um, we've got another good show uh, here uh, booked ahead today. There's a couple of laughs we've had just before we sort of kicked off. Uh, but a big thanks, of course, to to Dale Hunt and Mounties and, uh, and also to all manufacturing personnel. Uh, recruitment and labour hire, looking for CNC machinists, uh, welders, they're looking for tool makers, um, got a good uh, company over in the Northern Beaches that's uh, after somebody at the moment, so if you know anybody that's looking for work, give us a call, 0404 or well, I think it's 04, anyway, I'll give Craig's number a bit later in the show, but um, good morning, I'll say, good I'll morning, just, I'll say a good morning, because we're going to come to you second today, Bodie. Oh. In the naughty boy what, book. What, se- his second? <laughs> second or cab off the rank? Yeah, he was. Second cab Moors, Christian yes. Mortensen, yeah. and back again, mate. Yeah, uh, thanks by, for having it, me it must be said, popular demand. Oh. Uh, there's a uh, few people that have well, told I'm, me... I'm on speed dial, am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but mate, it's bloody good to have you back. Yeah, thanks and, for having me. And I've, we were just talking beforehand, yeah. and, you, and you've finished getting your pilot's license. I've uh, seen yes. a couple of posts on your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, so exciting. And yeah, look, it's uh, it's been very it's it's been a good process, an excellent process, yeah. and something that I recommend anyone who thinks, oh, geez, that that's something I've always wanted to do is go yeah. fly a plane. Uh, if you've got the dollars, uh, or you can make it happen, just go make it happen. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, take some lessons. Um, it's going to cost a few dollars, mm. uh, but there's. A, a class of license now, the Recreational Pilot Certificate, which is flying lighter, cheaper to run aircraft, uh, which are very modern and a little uh, less expensive than your, your classic Cessnas to yeah. fly. Okay. Uh, it's a different level of medical, for example. You only need the same medical as what's required for a, a driver's license. So you don't have to sit anything, you don't have to see a a uh, uh, aviation medical officer and sit oh. a sit a complex medical exam. Right, uh, but uh, yeah, you get to fly these fantastic, speedy carbon fiber fiberglass, um, wow. like, a, like a three-axis aircraft. So they're they're fast, maneuverable, and for all intents yeah. and purposes, very much a a functional aircraft that'll take you into state and fly around the world if you mm. wanted to go that mm. way. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so I did this license and. Been flying around and I've been the last few weeks exploring the the privileges that affords me and uh, getting out and flying around uh, the sort of the countryside and oh yeah. it's been fantastic it's yeah, such a, good such on a you, buzz. man well kudos to you brother it's, it's, it's fantastic and it just just to see the the warm delight in your face of your yeah. smile and your eyes yeah. you're beaming mate it's really good to break new ground yeah. you know and uh, I'm in my mid fifties now so to do something. Uh, which I'd never really considered previously and hadn't been on my radar. And it really only just popped up because I bumped into a friend who turns out he had bought a flight school and was a flight instructor. And I thought, God, that sounds like a lot of fun. Why don't... And looked into it and thought, why, don't, why not? Why not? Why yeah, not? Fantastic. Let's get into it. Yeah. And uh, I love a challenge. So yeah. it's been a... And it's been a remarkable challenge. I love to... Have a bit of uh, get a bit of constructive feedback mm. on on something that where mm. I'm developing mm. a new skill, mm. yeah, and uh, 
And having a good flight instructor is a little bit like that, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. They can really hone mm. your technique and you develop a good friendship and a bond. And That's, and that's great, man. It's, um, it really is. My best mate's a pilot, I've oh. mentioned a few times. He's, yeah, okay. he, he started off out at, um, at Maitland and mm. he took me up for a flight. The first time I went on a flight, I thought, this plane looks a bit different than the other ones and I couldn't work out what it was. Mm. And I can't repeat what my nickname is, what he calls me, but... Uh, on air, but needless to say, it's it's not a nice one. And yeah, he decided to get one back over me as soon as we took off. As, so, the, as soon as we took off, I, uh, you know, the, the, the hash brown and bacon and egg McMuffin almost came out because we were upside down. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was not much fun. Yeah, and right. uh, yeah, and and the whole time you can imagine <laughs> some aerobatics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can imagine the words coming out of me. And oh, mate, when I got on the ground, I wonder. Yeah. But when I got on the ground, I was like. Oh, you want to do it again? <laughs> you know, the whole time you're up there, yeah. no! Yeah. But it's wonderful. Well, that's something I'll work towards. Uh, if, uh, if that happens at this stage, it's unintentional <laughs> and uh, undesirable. <laughs> hey, listen, speaking of a challenge, um, uh, Bodie, how are you, mate? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of relegated now to the, sort of, uh, the offhand. I'm and how are you, mate? <laughs> the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's... Um, God, God, I love you, Bodie. Sometimes some of the texts and, and whatnot. And when we're at the men's table, of course, I mean, everyone's favourite is, is Bodie and, and his bloody mate, Gino. And, yeah. and the pair of them are a couple of clowns. They're just they're very, very funny men. Anyway, um, yeah, I mentioned, of course, yesterday you're coming on and, and, and I'm, I, I, I don't know, I could be wrong here, Bodes, but I feel like you with what's happening, the proposal down there at Bullabara coming up to Boddington Hill... And I think sure. now that yeah. I, I could be wrong, and, and we'll talk about that, but the proposal's in excess of 100 million, so that sort of takes it away from the local um, uh, government of council for what they can. And can't. That, that's my understanding. I could be wrong, but uh, it was similar to some of the developments in the Northern Beaches. And I know how passionate and, and uh, you are, Gino, and, and how much you know that, mm. that area and, and preservation means to you and that's it's it's one of the things that well, i love about you most mate is your passion and mm -hmm. and 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 the fact that uh, <laughs> the way you express it a lot of the time so the the text i got was in relation to of course we thought we'd do a show on role models or heroes and and you've come back and said role models heroes there are none we've got a 95 year old woman being tasted with a walking frame <laughs> <laughs> I read that. I thought I bet you he wanted to keep going because I can imagine what's what the latest is. So give us give us an update on on first of all how you are and what's happening. Well, down um, the road and uh, yeah, gosh, what's happening? Um, I don't really know either. I mean, uh, recently I had um, my two uh, maternal and paternal grandmothers arrive, um, mm. and that, that was really interesting. Uh, um, they uh, landed on my shoulders and they haven't left. Um, and they're kind of like a benign presence, you know, an ancestral mm. um, uh, a pre a presence in my, in my mind. So I'm sort of kind of occasionally having conversations. And so, you know, uh, um, because what they are obviously is um, uh, feminine wisdom, mm. um, um, uh, older elder elders um, helping to... Uh, uh, dilute my male-centric sort of kind of eccentricities um, and giving me a sort of more rounded to, to balance. Dull, to yeah. It. Yeah. To, yeah, to just... To, to, well, see, I think um, it's... it's We can be too male and we can... You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. and I, you know, we sort of need to bring... 
feminine perspectives, nurturing sure, perspectives, sure. Uh, female wisdom perspectives. I beg your pardon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know what, what I mean? Uh, uh, what age are we roughly talking about? <laughs> um, how old? How old? Well, see, it, what's interesting is my maternal grandmother, she died at 48 of uh, Addison's disease. Oh, yes. So it was a young death for her. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, and then, but my paternal grandmother, she got to, I think, 70-odd. But she uh, birthed 12 children, and she was a fiercely devoted mother. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, um, and my maternal uh, uh, grandmother, um, she lost three children to childhood diseases. So, you know, one of her journeys had to come to terms with um, infant death yeah, right. um, yeah. and, and young children and, um, and then her own sort of illness and, um, and journey. So these are two wise old ladies that have uh, visited me. And I think, you know, this recent thing about the... Th- 95-year-old um, great-grandmother that got tasered recently, um, you know, uh, just uh, um, stunned me deeply. Um, you know, she was it, stunned too. Oh, well, I, I felt a charge, you know, on, <laughs> on, on, on coming <laughs> up. Yeah. It's, um, it's disturbing though, isn't it? But it's very yeah. disturbing. And, um, well, it's frightening, particularly... For anybody that yeah. says, well, listen, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I deal with the elderly a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and they can at times be uh, delirious. Yeah. Especially yeah, if they've yeah. got an illness going well, on. Dementia and, is very and, difficult. And yes. dementia and things like that. Yeah. And, and to actually make a choice to taste, I mean, we don't know the full facts of the case and we're speculating. But uh, it seems completely the antithesis of common sense, doesn't it? You could disarm this person with a pillow. <laughs> um, you know, why why taser? That's that's. Well, I, I think it's a legitimate question, and yeah. um, you know the uh, the um, police commissioner said, uh, "Well, I only attend to the facts." And I yelled up at the bloody uh, TV, and I said, "The facts are, lady, there's a 95 year old woman with a walker mm. holding a bloody steak knife. She's 43 kilograms, yeah. um, and she's actually a little bit under the weather." Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's that's right. facts. Here. Yeah, and now, and, and now um, being palliated. Yeah, and uh, well, she, yeah. She'll, she'll die. Yeah, um, she'll die. You know, there's yeah. no question of that. But what, what, what's you know what's important here also is that the use of tasers says not on the elderly. Yeah. That's yeah. in the um, mm. uh, that, that's, that's protocols of the use of tasers by the police. So they overrode their own guidelines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, sure. And. You know, a psychiatrist said, look, part of the problem is that uh, staff rang the police. Um, in the old days, staff were trained to actually deal with that sort of stuff. And one of the things they could have used is uh, four people holding a blanket and just lowering it gent- gently over the person. Yeah. And then, they, you know, they apply, they, they give a sedative. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. the situation's over. Yeah. But, you know, at 43 kilograms at 95, I wouldn't imagine there'd be much strength in her hands. No, and not at all. And just have held her hand and the yeah. knife would have clattered on the floor and, you know, the situation's over. So mm. I just think it's a case of madness. But anyway, look, I'm, 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 I'm really distressed by that. Um, i tell you what really came up for me also was this correspondence that um, we're making, all of us, rightfully so, are making a big noise about this. And I think um, uh, there's going to be a lot more egg, or egg on um, the commissioner's face by the end of this thing, once mm. it's over. Mm. But, you know, it's taken how many inquiries about death and custody of Aboriginal people 
year after year after year after year after year. Well, um, the, the uh, police officer got convicted yesterday. He did. So I think Aboriginal people will be saying, oh, yeah, a white lady of 95, you know, everybody's up in arms. Sure. But um, there has been just sort of um, benign efficiency um, in, 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 the, in avoiding any real um, concern about the way we manage um, mm. points of difference and conflict. Mm. Um, and the, more, the closer that Australia gets to the US, the more I see that we're actually starting to uh, operate like they do. Well, we, we, oh, like we, a militarization? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, it's a right. slow creep it's of... Not, well, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't agree more. That's, that's been my thoughts exactly. The, the same thing that you're saying now, I, I spoke about yesterday to a friend of mine. It, yeah. it, it, where are the de-escalation tactics used? Yep, where where exactly. are we bought in with that? I mean, look, let's talk about the UK, New Zealand, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the police there deal with people with knives a hell of a lot of the time as well, just like here. But the police officers don't have weapons there unless the tactical response group or TRG are called mm. in to, to defuse such a situation. So what does that mean? Well, that means that the police have to do more training in and around areas such as mental health, people with dementia, all of these things are starting mm-hmm. to be covered yeah. by those things. And I was listening to an officer, a former New Zealand police officer yesterday say, that's what we do. So for example, it's almost like if the police have been called to a job and if somebody's there, this chap was saying that if someone comes to the door with the knife and we're the officers, well, we don't have a knife, we've got tasers, um, you know, we'll pull the tasers and we'll give them the opportunity, but immediately we just step back, okay? And we'll give it 15, 20 minutes and we'll try and talk to the person. They'll close the door, they'll stay inside the house. It doesn't have to be done and dealt with there in the next 30 seconds mm. because mm. time, as we say a lot here, is a good healer. Mm. Now, yeah. sure, that mm. takes up a lot of resources. It takes up a lot of um, you know, manpower away from uh, other issues where the police could and should be dealing with, but that's something that we really need to be looking at, particularly in this situation with this elderly woman and, and I guess in many other situations as well. Mm. And, and, and look, this is on the back, of course, of the other side of it, Stephen Tuffer, that we yeah, did right. about yeah. a few weeks ago, yeah. and where Christians jumped in and done the shifts after. It just, mm, mm, mm. And, and that leads me sort of to a question: Well, is the next step <clears throat> is the next step paramedics having tasers? Or no, we're not going to have tasers. I mean, I've talked about having um, uh, sort of stab-resistant clothing something along those lines, uh, like not a ballistic vest per se, but <clears throat> something like a, a stab-resistant sort of clothing. And apparently in the UK, as I understand, because there's so much knife crime that occurs yeah. over in the UK, uh, the paramedics are issued with that sort of clothing mm, over there. Okay. Mm. Uh, and I think that there's some there's something useful to be said for mm. that. I mean, mm. we're, what we're trained to do, if there's a situation that develops where somebody is, is heightened, agitated, mm. armed, it's dangerous, is we escape the scene, we, we flee. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and, that, yeah. and that's what we do. And look, I've been to many, many, many sieges over the years uh, where somebody has armed themselves, generally with a blade, and yeah. has holed themselves up in a house. Um, and if there is no one else at risk in that situation, apart from the person themselves, yeah. they, they will attempt to negotiate. Right. And uh, resources will build up and there'll be conversation that's had and, and so mm. on and so forth. Um, mind you, getting those negotiators to the scene 
can be difficult because there's not every police Particularly officer. Particularly down. Yeah, yeah that's right. Not every police yeah, officer is authorised or trained to do that, right, as far as right. I understand. Uh, they now have the tactical response group, who, yeah. uh, uh, which is more like a, a, a semi-militarized arm or well, a tactical guns, yeah, response so, yeah. uh, mm. group. And we have paramedics embedded with those groups as well who mm. train with them and go into scenes where people are being arrested and where there's the potential... Of someone uh, being for, shot or yeah, violence or breaking yeah. out. We're talking about armed you know, criminals and sure. uh, yeah. organised crime and that sort of thing. Um, but look, on the whole, in my experience, everything's been generally very well managed and de-escalated. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, it usually starts with a conversation and a compassionate and caring, you know, person to, you know, say, look, I understand that you're upset and unwell and and uh, you've got concerns and how about we talk about it, put down the knife and let's mm. have a conversation mm. about it. And, and that's more difficult, of course, people with dementia. I mm. had a, a candidate put through a job, met his mum the other day and seemed the nicer I was, the more upset she was. Um, you yeah. know, so you're, you're dealing with, you know, let's not like forget situations that can be become difficult but yes, that's right. at the same time it's it's a it, I, I look at things like that and think it's a terrific opportunity to yeah, sharpen my skills well that's right and it takes some restraint come around some more if you've I mean you've they, they, the they think yeah these uh, the police officers they've got the, the capacity I mean they they have uh, uh, batons uh, tasers sure. capsicum yeah. spray and sidearms yeah. Yeah. and uh, but really their main weapon is their experience and their ability to de-escalate a situation sure. with a conversation mm. um, and the same thing you see the same thing in hospitals so in hospitals where we get people who are uh, mentally unwell um, mm. who are under a section for example and being kept there against their will mm-hmm. and end up getting in the emergency department uh, you'll see if you spend any time in the ED patients getting heightened and escalating and having to be restrained in order to be you know, sedated or calmed or because they're threatening themselves or staff or other patients and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And the you see the security guards, the good security guards, the ones who really work a lot in New South Wales health, sure. uh, have a great yeah. you know, capacity to de-escalate yeah. these scenes. Yeah. And uh, we've got a we've got a, a security guard up here. I haven't seen him in a few few uh, in a few weeks, uh, brother Jay. And uh, he, he's a large man, and um, what he does is he just sits on the patient. Yeah, he, right. He just, you know, he just like, like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. as long as as long as they're not uh, elderly and, and frail, but he'll he'll just sit on them, and they're, they're, that's it. They're in. Well, we we had terrific security when I was in a van, um, and particularly down in Melbourne. But a lot of the pubs we played at, this fellow Chaz, who's a Kiwi partial Maori fellow, um, he. He had two guys at the Monavale Hotel. One was called Big Rich, and he was actually the doorman on the Underbelly Golden Mile series of TV. You'll see Big Rich, you think he's seven foot one, huge, yeah. huge star Samoan boy. And then there was the Rev. And, you know, I'd start off, welcome to the Monavale Hotel, where you dollar buys you more. We've just got a couple of you know, housekeeping rules. Don't cross the white line. If you cross the right line, you'll be introduced to my friend, Big Rich. Yep. Rich doesn't have to put up his hand because he's three foot taller than everyone else. And outside of that, then he'll pass you on to the Rev. So we used to call the guy at the door the Rev, the Reverend, right? And this is honestly how he dealt with it. We're talking about guys that are having a, a you know, full punch-up, you know, these 20, 30 punches going on. And they both separate and there's blood everywhere. And at the break, I've gone out for a cigarette outside and there's the Rev talking to one of them. He says, Jesus put you here for a reason. <laughs> it's to love and to be kind to one another. I'm prepared to give you another go. I'll let you back inside, 
But if you come and do that again, you'll never return. This guy's come back inside. He's got a black eye. He's got a cut nose. And he's come back inside and allowed him. But he said the other bloke, he didn't want to reason. He didn't want yeah. to listen. So he sent him on his way. Yeah. So it says to me a couple of things there. The love, the kindness of what the Rev used to do. Rich used to just pick people up by the neck and walk them out, you know, yeah. Yeah. Back, which is not a good thing to do. No. Imagine. But... It, it, that's that's sort of how he went about life, and he was a big boy, the Rev. He was would have been in his early sixties or easily late fifties. Um, mm. But that's how he dealt. I and mean, this is back in the day when, you know, this, well, I say back in the days, the late ninety, early two thousands, and it, it fights were you you couldn't play at a pub in the common bar without a punch up. It just never happened. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that was their way. Of, but what a wonderful way of going about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, very sure. highly religious man, obviously, yeah. but. That sure. was his, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was very, very effective. I can tell you now, it was very effective. And every single person there, especially the locals, had a huge amount of respect for the Rev. Mm. You know? Well, I think what both of you are saying is that um, um, you know, with good training um, and uh, with the skill of persuasion, um, you know, by using um, low-level sort of kind of uh, interactions, mm. um, you know, can resolve a lot of stuff. I mean, if you, if you want to roar in like a, a, a top cop, um, yelling at the top of your voice and that sort of stuff. I mean, you're gonna, you know, most of the time you're going to lead. That's going to lead to an escalation. I mean, yeah. the, the key words are, are really about um, de-escalation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and how well are, are, are police trained um, in in de-escalation? So it's good to hear that for many of your call outs. Mm. You've, you you can say um, it was well handled. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well handled. Yeah. Um, and so that has. Um, you know, inspires confidence that um, if for myself, if I have a temporary slip into a psychosis, um, I may well be met with kindness and consideration. Um, um, so, uh, you know, I think that those things are really important. So I'm wondering, um, Christian, are, are you wonder, wondering that there's some bad eggs, you know, that, uh, that idea in the force that leads to escalations? Um, and yeah. so it's, it, it might me- mean something about keeping always an eye on the performance of people that, so that they meet the guidelines, the requirements of good policing, good interactional stuff. Great, great. Um, or, or, or do we need to increase psychological testing for potential recruits into the force um, um, so that we get a picture of what they, how, how they operate or how, you know, what's the underlying bias, if you like, towards people who are suffering? Yeah, I, look, uh, that's a that's a that's an excellent yeah, really, question. Really good question, mate. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there's a simple answer on that, but I think there's probably a bit of a bit of everything what you've just said there. And what my impression is that um, policing is a very difficult job. Now, I'm not a policeman, but I, I see the work that they do, and it's it's difficult work. Mm. Uh, they're often met with hostility in the community. Mm. Uh, not always. Often they're actually they're, they're very, uh, very, very grateful roles. People are very thankful that they're there. For example, police rescue the guys in police rescue up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, who we work with closely and uh, do a lot of rescues with in the bush. Um, but it, for the general duties officers who are going to um, add into the community yeah. and dealing. The way it's been described to me is most of their arrests are the same fifty or sixty people in the community in the community, yeah. in the community repeatedly. Yeah, uh, the troublemakers. Yeah, uh, and then beyond that, we've got sort of you know the various sort of uh, complaints that people have. You know, noise complaints and you know, 
and, and with traffic and staff and, and domestic yeah, violence yeah. and that sort of jazz. Yeah. Um, but look, it's a very, very difficult role and I don't know that the police are very well supported in their role. Uh, I think that there's managerial stress that comes from... Um, higher up in terms of what their performance. We're not, when you say they're not, sorry, can you just just tell me? In, in, yeah. Which well, look, I'm, look, I know. Um, okay, so their task is an onerous task. Yes. And there's a lot of paperwork that they have to yes. complete. There's a lot of administration that has to be completed. Uh, from speaking or hearing other policemen talk about who've left the job yeah. uh, in various podcasts, talking about PTSD that they yeah. have acquired I was going to have in the role. Matt, yes, yeah, like Matt Bryan, for yeah. example, yeah. Uh, who's got a podcast, Heart to Heart's Walk, uh, which is an excellent podcast. And I worked with Matt up here in the, in the Blue Mountains. And listening to his, um, him talking about, the, I guess, the lack of um, support that they, yes. some, they receive, yes. it can lead, lend itself towards a deterioration in, in their mental health and consequently their performance on the job, yep. right? right? And uh, what we're talking about is people being restrained, restrained use of force, uh, judicious, judicious use of force where necessary, right. um, and that it is uh, appropriate to the role. Uh, so, for example, you know, if somebody is literally running at you with la- two large knives, uh, it takes a well-tempered policeman to then take a step back yeah, sure. uh, to either capsicum spray them or tase them as opposed to reach for your sidearm mm. and to, to, to shoot them. Mm. Uh, and that will depend on their experience and so on. Uh, but it's also, I think there's probably something to do with... Uh, their role models in the job, what they've been taught to do and how to deal with these situations. And if you've got somebody in the job uh, who is a a senior who's teaching you how to de-escalate a scene and you do it particularly well and they pass those skills on to you, Then you know that's something that you take away with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, by comparison to you know somebody who's you know where, yeah. who's not supporting you, who's actually giving you a hard time and and sure. And and I, I was going to. I'm glad you brought that up about the role models. If you know, we we often get the the chief inspector here, Gary Sims, who comes on the show, and uh, well, we only had him on once since he's or twice since he's been um, in charge of you know the local area command up here. Before that, it was Windsor. Yeah, and. You know, I, I wanted to get some issues done of, of, of bridging the gap between the Indigenous or Aboriginal community here um, and the police. I think the only way that we can sort of sort out a lot of those issues is if we get on site. And I think the best step to do that was to introduce having an Aboriginal flag at the station, which eventually has been done through Gary. Yeah. But when you talk about role models and... It, it, I mean, let's first of all, the one thing I wanted to say was the, the police are human. They're going to make mistakes. They make of no course. mistake about it. But as they, do we all. As, okay, so this... This is, this is not a beat-up session over police. I think they do a, a terrific job. I've been in situations where I've needed them. Um, I've been in mental health situations where they've been very good. Um, but, you know, I guess what I, I... It starts at the top of that division. It starts with the guy like Gary Sims. Mm. Um, and, and I've noticed, and I'm sure Bodie will back me on this, that whenever Gary comes in, he's always very tired, but he's, he's a very calm... Um, at leveled man it, uh, I mean I, I look at Gary and go I wonder if this guy how many years it's been since he's snapped or if he's ever raised his voice or, mm, or mm. gotten upset and that says to me a, a lot when I see something like that and it says to me that 
you know, if he's in charge of the offices up here, he, there's always a, a solution. There's always questions to, there's always other choices to make. Um, whether that is the case or not, I don't know. Do you agree with that with Gary? He's a pretty... Yeah, no, he's, um, yeah, he's considerate. He uh, thinks carefully about what he says. Um, he, um, you know, anybody in those levels of uh, power and management um, are girded by uh, policy that they not not necessarily always agree upon mm. but they've got to be seen to be sort of operationally in tune with the organisation yeah. um, and they obviously have some um, hopes uh, of developing, evolving you know, policing and that sort sure. of stuff and um, I know Gary, um, you know, sees the job as an incredibly big part of his vocation. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not. It's not uh, I don't envy the place that he has to uh, carefully uh, navigate, yeah. given all the sort of interest groups that have polarizing sort of differences in terms of uh, okay. you know directions that ta- <laughs> that are taken. Yeah. So he's got to kind of dance on hot coals yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. So um, all. Um, Respect for that difficult task. I wouldn't do it. Well, I could, but but boss, that's a really good point when you say of of, of all the levels of of different areas that he's got to look at managing and policing. And and I mean, I, I couldn't do it either. I, I I'd find it extremely difficult not to put my own personal views or let them get in the way of things. Um, you know, such as what's happening at Boddington Hill or um, or whatever else. But. Yeah, I, I just, it's, it's a tricky one. Extremely difficult, as Bodie says. Much respect on that, mate. We've got excellent senior officers yeah. here in the mountains, and I've seen them at work and uh, in the doing policing work, and they're they're great. And that is a very difficult task because remember, these uh, men and women who are promoted into that role because they have years of experience in the job. Now, with those years of experience comes the stresses, the night shifts, the lack of sleep the exposure to traumatic situations uh, that lends itself towards instability in your mental health. And yet these people have negotiated all that through years and years of, of, of shift work and being putting themselves on the front line. No. Um, and they have become you know, the senior officers who are in charge. Uh, and we want well-balanced, uh, in any of the emergency services, we want well-balanced uh, well-meaning, experienced officers in those roles, uh, in the managerial roles, because we have a lot of new recruits coming in. Like in the ambulance service, we've, we've had a flood of junior officers come in uh, from straight from uni, straight from school to uni, straight to the ambulance service, who are academically very adept, uh, have a great understanding of the pathophysiology of disease and illness, but yet their expectations and their understandings of what the role actually is involved uh, are somewhat lacking. So <clears throat> the bulk of the work that we uh, as paramedics now do in the uh, community is primary care work, uh, the sort of work that GPs do. Uh, so we're doing minor accident and illness uh, okay. management um, where people have called triple O uh, because they need medical advice, because uh, they've got a chronic wound or a chronic issue, and uh, it's, not a, it's not a massive, devastating or life-threatening injury or illness. In fact, it's usually stuff that's very, very minor. And over time, if you have an expectation that uh, if you've come into the role thinking that I will be saving lives, mm. uh, then you've, that, 
you kind of got the wrong idea because mm. uh, what you're really doing is you're um, uh, saving the health system mm. uh, from presentations into the emergency department <laughs> and uh, you're also making small interventions, small acts of kindness uh, which, which are, are very meaningful but are not the life-saving no. interventions that they're trained to do in university. Mm-hmm. And that, that wears people down. Yeah. And what, we've, what, what one thing I've noticed in the ambulance service is that junior officers are now training junior officers, and this is a problem across, I imagine, across a lot of organisations. And then junior officers training junior officers means that they're training them not necessarily in the, in the best practice. And that's, that's a key point you're making, isn't it, uh, Christian? That that question of role models because that's one of the topics today, isn't it? Role sure. Models. Well, that's yeah. and I think yeah. o- older people um, like yourself. Mm mid-50s, a lot of experience, a lot of uh, skill set um, in the medical area, but also in the relational area, the way of working with people. Yep. And that training that an older person like yourself with that level of skill, that's got to be a policy decision. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, juniors actually training juniors uh, uh, is an invitation for it's a, it's a, a, already a, a distortion it, 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 yeah. in the delivery of good training. Imagine, yeah, already. Right. Yeah, Can you yeah. imagine a pea plater teaching a... And a 16-year-old to, to, to drive. Yeah, it's a you little know, very good And the, the, the reason the why they're, they're, they're booked or speed, there are more offences in yep. that small age bracket and, and, and are more deaths occurring in that small age bracket or that area of P-plate driving is because of one thing, experience. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're not utilising that experience, such as Christian said, and I understand that some people don't want to extend whilst they go to work, they just want to go to work and do their job. And that I have nothing. that's their right if they don't want to be involved of being a mentor or passing on that training um, some people just aren't good for that and, and I understand that but surely that's something that we need to encourage mostly I mean you imagine going there on your first day and this bloke's sitting next to you yeah. uh, as a paramedic I mean, well, we want to safe as houses yeah. 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 well you're going well, we'll to learn a hell of a lot more than yeah. look we want to retain we want to retain staff we want yeah. to retain that experience this, the ambulance service in New South Wales does an excellent job mm. uh, of attempting to do that uh, but the fact of the matter is that eventually people have to retire and move on. And, uh, and also, if we want to put a whole... And we have done an excellent job of putting thousands of new staff on. We've got bums on seats. We've got ambulances ready to respond. Uh, but somebody has to train those paramedics, and we yeah. don't always have the experience base necessarily in all areas sure. to help manage that in an ideal fashion. But we get through it. Uh, we're very much... Uh, the organisation is very much about um, finding ways to do things better... So we're very proactive with regards to that. And uh, on the whole, we do, you know, these uh, junior paramedics do an excellent job. But I do worry about them and, and hope that they are, um, they are fit for purpose and that they have their understanding of the role and that they're, they're being well looked after. I hope they're being well looked I, after. I think it's fantastic you're saying there's a, a massive amount of people wanting to get in, uh, into you know the field of being a paramedic i think it's a kudos to all of those people and for the training i feel yeah. sorry for yesterday i was listening again i think it was abc it might have been tgb i flicked between the two times or whatever but uh, about your wage increase mm. the, the big difference i think the men's government came out with they said we're not going to state exactly what it's going to but it's going to be a lot larger than the four percent that the parity government's offering i see yesterday it's four and a half percent four and a I haven't seen that. But it That's is an excellent. increase. So oh, mate, any you've got increases an extra, is a welcome increase. You know? <laughs> but, uh, okay. Well, a, okay. <laughs> but let's, let's be honest. It's, it's one of those jobs that you do, uh, being a paramedic, like yeah. a nurse, like a police oh, officer. You're yeah. not doing it 
for your for your weekly check. It's it's something that you're doing. Is, look, is we are look, we are mind. well we are well remunerated. Uh, yeah. There are look, I think. Okay, so so for example, I've just done my been doing aviation study. Yeah. Um, and uh, to become a fully qualified pilot, if you do a three year full time degree, it's going to cost you around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It costs a hundred thousand dollars to become a doctor. Uh, um, uh, and wow. uh, the first roles wow. as a pilot, uh, if you to get experience, and it's all based on hours of experience. Wow. Uh, if you take a role, and generally a lot of these roles are in Western Australia, Northern Territory, that's yeah, yeah, remote flying, areas, remote, yeah. Air, yeah. flying in remote areas, you, you're typically getting about the basic wage. You're yeah. getting about $50,000 a year. Yeah. So you have to, uh, for mm-hmm. a $250,000 investment, you're... you're That's about 10 $50, grand more than a domestic pilot gets in the States. For a living, you know, <laughs> yeah. in a very complex mm-hmm. and oh, uh, mm-hmm. risky environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, look, we're, we're better paid than that. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. cost as much to get that uh, sure. in terms of getting a degree from university. And on the whole, the, the students who are coming out, who are now the, our junior paramedics, are doing an excellent job in difficult sure. circumstances. And these are people who have also... We've just gone through a pandemic as well let's not forget mm. what that involved the workload during the pandemic oh, well, the was changed was yeah. out of control i have i mean i'm 25 years in the job yeah. and i have never seen it anything like what we we yeah. had during the pandemic no, it sure. was it was absolutely it was crazy it was crazy yeah. and a whole yeah. different level of stress yeah um but the important thing is that uh like okay so i'm in a role now where i am uh, as a senior paramedic they call me sure. almost like a dinosaur uh, where I can impart my experience to the juniors who I'm, who I'm working with and guide them in the right directions. Terrific. And they are doing a fantastic job. They really are. But it really takes... And it, it takes someone with experience to show them how to go about this role. And a lot of what we do is about talking to people. Um, yeah, yeah. It's about communication. That's one of the that's one of the skills that they don't really nail in a university level, right? Um, and that's very much you learn that on the job uh, by talking to people yeah. from different walks of life, different ages, different ethnicities, different situations, different degrees of yeah. ill health, and that sort of thing, and knowing how to temper your language, mm. and so on and so forth. Um, and so a lot of what I do is is teaching paramedics how how to do that, how to communicate. With, with people in the community because yeah. um, a lot of what we do is, is about that communication. There is a gap, you know, in the uh, uh, thinking therapeutically here um, about um, group work. Um, now, um, what do I mean by group work? If you're a paramedic and you're in a training um, and part of the training is people skills, one of the ways you can learn that very quickly and dynamically is by being in a group as part of your training with other fellow um, trainees um, and you uh, it's a, thera- a therapeutic group it's a group that explores um, your inter- interrelational patterns um, and you quickly learn when uh, because other members in the group will call you out mm. or the facilitator in the group will call you out and say I statements please or some you know make mm. some uh, what's really interesting uh, what a group does is it, it's a reconstitution of um, difficulties in your own family of origin experience, so it's, it, it replicates the same dynamics that occurred in your in your family of origin growing up, and so it's an opportunity to look at um, all the distortions um, in one's own speech, or all the distortions sure. in others that don't yeah. really see you, and a chance to talk that stuff through, 
um, in a way that changes your communication patterns. Uh. So group work that's structured on that basis as part of a training is a very good therapeutic strategy to, to build um, the qualities that you mm. talked about, about being careful about your words, careful about your phraseology, um, awareness of your own arousal, um, not coming through strident yeah. or, or, or freaked yeah, out. Or, points, you know, I mean, all, all those sorts well, of yeah. solid material um, uh, skill sets of competency in dealing with difficult situations. So I'm a great advocate for for uh, group work, therapeutic yeah. group work for people, you know, um, mm. in, in who are working with the public, um, because you learn so much about yourself, yeah. and it's a skill you take home for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, l- learning yeah, how to communicate points, and learning. Yeah. I've been working with a gentleman now for about seven years. Um, he's a, a high level businessman. Um, the one thing he's learnt. Um, is uh, that he no longer has to armour up and um, fight the world. Okay. Now, he comes yeah. from a family that's a long history in the, in the, in the, in the US and the military, and um, his model is uh, you armour up and you um, call out uh, BS yeah. and, um, and you fight the good fight on behalf of the empire. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So that's the model that he's got. He's like a stormtrooper. But um, what he's learnt is that he doesn't have to automatically defend the empire. He can start to join into a conversation. And he's no longer grabbed by a one-dimensional view of yeah. defending the one-dimensional view. Yeah. yeah. I could say because it that way. I, because I'm, and, and a lot of the time, I mean, I guess if that is your mindset, I'm, I'm not judging it. If, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're regimented and you want to go down that line, a lot of the time... There's no remorse or regrets, I guess, because that's the decision they've made, be it right or be it wrong. It doesn't matter. Whereas I go off sometimes early and then I go back and go, why the did I say that? You know, look at it now. What a dickhead Mm. I look like. I mean, you know. Look, that's an example of self reflective practice, isn't it? Your ability Mm. to actually monitor yourself while you're blowing up or whatever's going on and to say, pull it back, or to say, look, Mm. I'm sorry, look, I just spoke a lot of garbage there. Can I have another crack at it, please? Um, You know, uh, I've reined myself in, you know, self control, all that Mm. sort of stuff. Mm. So those skills are, um, you know, they should be. In the old days, civilization was about um, creating people who were culturally um, adept at being in their culture. I mean, okay. uh, yeah. that's what civilization does. Yeah. That's what culture does. Yeah. But we've sort of lost sight of um, you know the, the uh, instilling sort of kind of values of self-control. Uh. Um, and I, the question was, what's a role model for me? I, sure, I, I come up with a list. Oh, great! All right, so I said. A man that I would really be interested in is uh, um, he's, he's, he's done some therapy voluntarily. Okay. He's had a bit of a look at um, his family of origin history, tendencies. He might be in his 30s. He might be in his 50s. Yeah. Um, uh, or he might be a young man who's struggling at school at, at, at say, um, yeah. year 12, for example, yeah. and he's um, got some anxiety issues. So willing to do some therapy, willing to explore um, uh, either anxiety, depression, um, or um, weird thoughts coming up, or just a massive confusion. Sure. Um, anger management. He's, they've got a kind of a, a, an understanding how destructive anger can be when you're spraying everybody in it, at any moment at any time. And they've started to do some work on that. They've done a group or uh, or 
um, corrected themselves or found a mentor. Mm. That's somebody who's a role model. Um, they read wi- widely. Yeah. So they have a broad source of knowledge coming from their reading. Um, they treat opinions, theirs and others, cautiously. They treat, yeah, that's a good one, man. They treat women with respect. Yeah. They treat children with respect. Mm. They treat themselves with respect. And they treat animals, all sentience, and other men with a deep respect. Mm. And they do that by being fair and by listening. Now, they, they are role models. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the sort of quality of, of people. They're serious skill sets, aren't they? They're yeah. serious mm. skill sets. That, mm. you know, they take a bit of effort to actually mm. get that skill set under your belt. Now, I've worked with a guy who had done 12 years in jail, um, and we put seven years together of uh, uh, weekly work, um, um, and um, he's transformed uh, from a person who is hypervigilant and scanning the world constantly sure. uh, to someone who has a felt sense of himself um, and has changed beyond... Um, I, I, I can't recognise the person when he first arrived. Wow, he has man. done a serious body of work. Wow. And I can't tell you how much respect I've got for that man. So uh, he's a role model. Yeah. To yeah. be hypervigilant and, and to, to do that, you're always, that lifestyle, of, you know, you're looking over your shoulder, you're yeah, constant um, paranoia, yeah, anything yeah, that yeah. comes against you, you've got to defend, push out. Yeah, that's right. But and, to be, and, that and is the ultimate turnaround, isn't it? To then be able to go, absolutely, sponge, suck it in, yeah, yeah, feel this, sit in the shit. Yeah, absolutely. All uh, of that. Well said. And then, mm. yeah, that's well massive, man. And then that's also walking away from too, criminality. Man. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and doing a total reset. Yeah. I mean, that's a profound change of heart. I oh, mean, that's, that's a metanoia. Yeah, that's a profound shift. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, to me, they're role models. Um, yeah. You know, when I'm listening to um, the Liberals uh, bleating on about um, the no vote, um, <laughs> and this is the most serious change in the Constitution that we've ever faced, and it's terror and dissension oh, running through. fear. And, yeah. You know, all that, <laughs> all that polarisation, all that fear-mongering, all that stuff. Um, you know, e- even though the no, uh, the yes vote are c- keep consistently saying there's no constitutional power, um, it's purely advisory. Yes. It, it won't run, be running programs. It'd be an advisory group and that sort of stuff. They don't but have it's to, a, they don't have to worry. Uh, the, the indigenous communities don't want to get involved with the politics. They just want to get involved with community. And that's, you know, I mean, that's uh, a big It's all about recognition. It's exactly. But, you yeah. know, um, when uh, Terra Nullius was going through and, um, uh, you know, um, how Howard was already talking about, well, this will be the end of private ownership and that sort of stuff. They'll be going for your homes and houses. Oh, yeah. I mean, that you know, that that's not a role model. I mean, <laughs> yeah. To me, um, uh, indu- inducing an element of paranoia and fear um, as as a strategy is the lowest of the low. For me, hey, I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and and that's a great point. It's not a role model. I mean, you might no. think that because somebody's in a position of power, or, or that they they are a leader, just because they are a leader or, or in charge of. I'm not mentioning or thinking about any names. If they're not, if they are, if they are there to create, or manipulate. Or to um, you know extort fear or feather their own fe- nests, at, at feather their own nest or their own agenda. Yep, it's 
Yeah. They're not your role models. No, I think no. I just I just take that back. There was the one that you mentioned too, how they before the treat women on your on your note there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Treat women with respect. The, the the one prior to that. Treat opinions, theirs and others cautiously. Was treat, that? treat their opinions, theirs and, and others, others cautiously. cautiously. Yeah. Now that's that's something that 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 sits with me well. That's something that I've tried to work on, and particularly I found through my forties. Um, I still go off. Don't get me wrong, um, but I, I now sit back a lot more and go, "Well, hang on. There's a there's always a reason for that." Mm. He's, you know, active listening. Yeah, mm. active listening could be in the yeah. car when a guy's, yeah. Yeah. you know, you know what's going on in his day. That's a terrific point. I think we could do an entire episode just on that. But, but that's what a good role model does. They aren't afraid of being wrong. Yeah, they aren't afraid of saying sorry, yeah. and they aren't afraid to listen, no matter how wrong you are. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's some, uh, yeah. Keep yeah. an open mind. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 yeah. I've got, I've got really a young 18-year-old 18, 18 boy struggling with um, anxiety and that sort of stuff. He's got a, um, a, a, an illness which requires blood transfusions uh, once a month um, and he gets significant sort of brain fog and that sort of stuff. So his sure. schooling is – he hit that place of what's the point? What's the point of me studying? But, gee, um, I just so – um, impressed by him uh, just talking yesterday um, um, you know he's got his book out and says okay Bowie to tell me give me my homework and I'm going I just love your attitude he said I want to bring the best of me to the table mm. huh. I, there's a role mm. model that's man. a role model isn't it just you mm. know yeah. sorry Moz, you, you have a word oh, look I think um, to have yeah. a to have a good role model for someone to present this CV to you you know, the, uh, yeah. these skills. Yeah. Uh, for, a, for one, you've, for one thing, you've got to get to know them and you've got to be open to getting to know people and, uh, and be open to that. And, and Because these, we don't necessarily know that these are the qualities that a person is bringing to their life oh, yeah. unless we actually yeah. get to know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, this is one of, the, one of the privileges of, I guess, I guess being a therapist or being in my role is we hear people's stories and sure. uh, in difficult circumstances, yeah, they come yeah, to yeah. us and, and we see how they've managed adversity and and uh, they've tempered their character right. uh, through that's, the through the difficulties of their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it, the, uh, the the stronger tree is the one that uh, has some uh, uh, stress placed on it, so to speak. Mm. You know, the, mm. the root well system said. grows well deeper, yeah. stronger, yeah, no, absolutely, and so on. You know, the, the yeah. tree that uh, has no uh, has no stress in its life that doesn't meet the winds that sort of can grow into the sun and then mm. next thing you know there's a big windstorm mm. uh, and it's in soft soil it just blows over yeah, yeah, yeah. so look um, there's, some, there's something to be something about adversity and life experience and I think that's why uh, we tend towards uh, having our role models towards someone who is older uh, because they uh, but not necessarily so uh, because they have life experience, sure. and with that mm. life experience means they've negotiated uh, the difficult waters of, of of various challenges that have been, you know, relationship challenges, mm. um, you know, dealing with children or parenting or, 
you know, your, your career and health issues and all that sort of stuff. And they can bring this, these qualities um, or we can, we can see that they've developed these qualities and wisdoms mm, that, that yeah. hopefully mm. they can sort of impart to us. One of the things that I would like to add to that list, which is an excellent list, Bodhi, is uh, their capacity to give us honest and critical feedback. Ah, love it. On, love on, it. on who we are and yes. the mistakes that we've made. Yes. And that they are prepared, and because not everyone it's is not prepared to do this. The bush or yeah, they eggshells. are prepared yeah. to, to, give, to, to give us a feedback and call us out yeah, when we're, the not, hard do, truth. When we're yeah. not doing our best. Uh, and where we could improve. Well said. Um, well said. And, uh, and, and we, we, sorry, we as men, we, we, you know, a lot of the time, and I know with me, a lot of people are afraid to say that. Because that's right, yeah. What my reaction might be. Is he going to be too sensitive about it? Mm. Is he going to fire up back yeah. at him? What if I offend him? Yeah. Well, he, he might be offended. Well, <laughs> you know, be offended. Be offended. <laughs> be prepared to be offended. Um, and then just uh, take a back seat on that and have a think about what it is that why you know what the what that feedback is i'll give you an example uh it's not in relation to behavior but it's in relation to making art and i'm Mm. in a very fortunate position as uh, somebody who makes art that i've got somebody in my life who is prepared to give me that feedback yeah so if I, may, if I do an illustration or a painting or something along those lines, yeah. typically when I show people that work, uh, they sort of just say, oh, that's wonderful, beautiful, yeah. oh, yeah. that's lovely, and that sort of thing. But you don't, I don't really get any feedback on it. So, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? You're not getting anything I'm out of it. I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm, what yeah. I'm really getting Jeez, is just a bit of a dopamine yeah. hit and a bit of you know, gratitude yeah. from yeah. people. And they say, oh, how it's very impressive. You're looking and, to get your life. bucket filled, aren't you? But it's yeah. not going to make me any better. <laughs> no. If anything, it's no. going to really, yeah, it's going to deaden my senses hey. a little bit. Now, when I show this work, I can show this work to my father and my father being a career artist uh, who's been a, a lecturer and a teacher in his time and he'll look at it and he'll sort of say, oh yeah, okay, Christian, well, um, listen, I'm having a bit of trouble with this section down here in the bottom left. Um, I don't think you've really nailed the posture of the hand on that person um, wow. or, you know, your palate's not right. And I'll, and I'll sit back and I'll look at it and I go, actually, you're right. That actually, yeah. I do feel a little bit uncomfortable about that part of the picture. Um, hang on, I'll, I'll, I'll rework it. And right. so I'll, then I'll go and rework it and I'll give it back and I'll show it back to him. And he'll be like, nah, and what about up here? What about that? What's going on with this section up here, you know, yeah. with the face? Or what's that expression? Yeah. Or, yeah. And that sort of thing. And he does this all the time. And initially I was, uh, I was a little bit taken aback. But then I've since realised it's actually I'm I'm very very lucky to have somebody in my life who is prepared to say these things because very few people will yeah, uh, and yeah. give me actual critical feedback yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and I think if we have a mentor like finding a mentor that's the role of having yeah. a mentor yeah. somebody who can say yes you're on the right track here I can they can give you a bit of praise where it's where it's needed uh, but at the same time they can be critical. Mm. And in a compassionate way, and but give you good critical feedback and point you in the right direction, yeah. and say no, this needs improvement. The, yeah, the hard truth. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're just going to take a quick break. We've got the news coming up in a moment. Uh, just a couple of messages from our sponsors, and um, we'll come back with the second half of the show in just a moment. It's a men's mental health show here at uh, RBM eighty nine point one. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to hear about Telstra's profits, do we? We can no, just it was Qantas. cut that off. So, well, Telstra's Qantas—they've all posted huge, huge profits. Um, you know. Oh well, I guess. 
Yeah, that's, that's what they've got to do is pay some profits. But whilst we're here, I'm sitting with two profits. Profits. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. Yeah. Well said. Um, we're, we're with Christian Delusional, Morton. Delusional, but kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christian Mortensen, who's, of course, the paramedic, and, and Bodie, uh, Bodie Marsden, of course, is a uh, psychotherapist located at Wentworth Falls. You can get Bodie on 0424-416-969. Yep. Yep. Got it right. Good, there nice. you go. And if and you need me, call Triple O. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Yeah. yeah. But make sure you ask for ambulance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hey, listen, before you, uh, we went to the break, we're going through this t- terrific list of what a, a role model is or h- h- how to be a role model or, mm. or it could be what a role model is to Bodie. But, mm. you know, I, I, I certainly think they were all terrific points and then you came in at the back end with some, some even more to, to touch on some of the things. Bodster, um, on, on top of that, I should have said earlier that I did ask uh, yesterday if you could do a poem for us in relation to the role model or to... Uh, the, the the heroes they say that you never meet your heroes so I guess a heroes like someone you're probably never going to meet or you know, or yeah what is it what is it what, what, what is I don't know what what I don't even yeah, know yeah. if I have a hero like no you know, yeah no. I, 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 it, it's sort of well, I guess everyone's hero a lot of the time for boys is their dad isn't it yeah you know? yeah. So, yeah 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 um, ideally dad ideally, thinks he's ideally. a role model the kid thinks dad's a hero like, yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. what it was for me anyway. Yeah. Look, I think heroes, are, I wonder if that's an outdated sort of kind of uh, Term, idea. Yeah. Where, um, you, you know, I, I mean, I guess um, people like um, Desmond Tutu, uh, mm. you know, I think he's, uh, he's a bit of a hero of mine. He's been faithful to his faith, uh, but also uh, radicalised um, in, in his teaching and, um, and his work of the Truth um, and Justice Commission in South Africa. Um, you know, they, uh, these are people that you, that you can honour. Good men. Mm. There's many women too who um, you know have have done some amazing uh, sort of things. Um, you know, I'm thinking of um, oh, what's the name? The um, the first nurse from the UK, mm. um, uh, Florence Nightingale. Mm. I mean, what an amazing mm. woman she mm. was, mm. and she had to. Uh, uh, um, encounter a lot of resistance from the medical model at the time, mm. Um, mm. Uh, particularly in her. Um, rec- uh, you know, she was very interested in cleanliness and actually cleaning up um, the um, uh, wounds and that sort of stuff. So she was responsible for uh, a, a sharp increase in the well-being of sort of men um, who were dying because of illnesses and infections mm. as a result Tetanus of their injuries. And all sorts mm. of so um, mm. you know, she, she was way ahead of her time. Wow. Um, you know. The, the, these people are heroes. I was reading recently about William James. Hundred years ago, he was a, a psychologist, um, you know, in the U.S., and he was talking about brain, brain plasticity way back then. Mm. Wow! Um, now he's been expunged largely from um, academia because, oddly, he kept on also talking about um, one's spiritual life and one's access to deep insight. Um, um, at a spiritual level, um, and and um, they just thought he was a bloody pot-smoking well, hippie, and yeah, you know, you know, old school, um, irrelevant, yeah. um, moving outside this purely if, scientific sort yeah. of kind of paradigm. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, I'd say to me, I'm going to start doing some reading on this gentleman, and he sounds yeah. incredibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, informative and is way ahead of his time. Mm. And I think for me, what's really interesting is that increasingly, 
Scott Miller, who's a, a, also a psychologist um, in the US, he says, do you know where people really go for therapy? Who they go to see? They don't go to psychologists, he said. They go to psychics. No. Ah, yes. They go to yeah. tarot readers. Mm. They go mm. to astrologers. Mm. Mm. They re- get their horoscopes read. They talk to um, you know people who um, uh, uh, sit in the veil, uh, um, you know, and uh, can talk to people who have passed on, mm. um, and, and and bring them into the room, mm. you know, mm. that sort of stuff. Mm. That's an old part of us, you know. Mm. Um, that is also part of the healing story mm. and if we just stay on a purely scientific sort of kind of basis we disconnect from story and we disconnect from um, that old ancient part of us that has grown over the last hundred million yeah. years sure so that in terms of our full humanness and so I'm a little bit interested in that you know the um, the, the place where the surprising thought emerges I had someone in my room the other day I was talking about their dad who died many years ago um, and um, and and I said and I said oh, he's he's here right now. Mm. <laughs> just came out, um, but he was astonished by that and mm. deeply moved by that because well, um, he had to have yeah. a com- he knew he wanted to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he wanted to bring his father into the story mm. um, in terms of his actually sort of personal journey. Um, it's, it's like you mentioned earlier in the show, bringing your two grandmothers back into yeah, your life. Yeah, 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 and um, it's Learning. not it's not scientific, no. um, but it's enormously meaningful, um, and it actually has an existence for me. Um, it, it's a felt reality. Yeah. I know of them um, it, um, with me, and it, it's not um, it's not that I'm constantly talking with them or that sort of stuff, but it's like I've been, have an increased sense of myself through my ancestral connections. And I've said yes to that. Yeah, okay. It's that fundamental question that we always ask uh, and we ask ourselves more often as we age and that is, uh, what is the meaning of this? Yes, yep. What is the meaning of my life? Yep. Why am I important? How do I be meaningful? What is the purpose behind all of these things? And hence why we sort of reach out to the soothsayers, the, the druids, the, the psychics who uh, can bring wisdom from beyond the veil, so yeah. to speak. And, yeah. you know, like yeah. uh, what, is, what, is, what is the nature of mortality, life and death, and is there something beyond, beyond this? Um, I, I guess religion tries to answer that by implying you know things like karma and uh heaven well and you're yeah karmic for yourself yeah you what you give so what you that's yeah. right yeah. that we have you know that our actions are meaningful yeah. in terms of either reincarnation or yeah. the afterlife or so on and the modern version of that is we've lost a little bit of that uh, certainly i'm not a religious person i was raised as a as a jew uh, but uh, i'm not a religious jew I'm more of a cultural jew mm-hmm. um but uh the, 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 yeah, people ask that question and they, they want meaning in mm, their lives mm. and how do I be meaningful? And that's the thing. We ask, our, like you just said, you know, the maternal wisdom of the grandparents. They, they yeah. give us that and help yeah. generate a meaning for Help, us. Helps to balance me from my male-centric sort of kind of perspective that I can too easily fall into. Um, I want to be more broader my understanding and bring various... Um, aspects of well, the human if condition. It's not just being broader, even if it's some of those things don't work out, at least you've given it a crack and widened, you, you, you know, you, you, 
what you see of the world that's, or that's right. view of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, more complete as a person. More complete for the term I was actually... Well, the Jungian term is uh, individuation, that you, uh, that you move beyond the confines of your assigned gender and you come from a human perspective. You're not male or female um, sure. uh, purely in terms of your identity. You actually... Um, uh, uh, sit in a more richer description of a c- the complete human who's understood something of um, the heart, the spirit, the soul, um, the rational, the logical, um, and those things are in a synthesis. And that is a rich place to stand in. Indeed. Well said. Well said. Yeah, you put a couple. Well said. Yeah. Now, Here, now I sit on this step side. Step one. Of, how do we put that into practice? What I sit doing? on this side of the desk and I struggle to get the word out complete. And there he comes out. And he just burbles all this. Yeah. Step not, one. Present fa- CV. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> God. Oh God. I hate find you a mentor, baby. <laughs> very good, isn't he? Find a mentor. That's it. Yeah. We're doing the Your- basic. Where's Young? Is he still yeah. alive? We need to do these. Dis- <laughs> we need to do these disciplines. Does Young live locally? <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of reading of Young at the at the moment and uh, been loving it. I mean, one of the things that he talked about in, uh, all the time is the simplicity of his life, and uh, and he built this tower, um, and it had no uh, no running water, no electricity, um, and no lighting um, uh, either. So he he just loved. Um, inscribing wisdoms on rock, cooking his own food, uh, cutting wood. Um, and he said that the simplicity and being in nature and being in soil um, uh, was as important to him as, as food and sleep and water. Um, and, that, and that he, you know, is a, obviously a very sort of well-read and uh, very gifted mind um, but the simplicity of his life, and I think there's something about simplicity, very which, much so, which is starting to really attract me. You know, yeah, uh, um, no, I agree. And um, this comp- complexity of too many demands on us. Um, what I love is this t- t- description of eldering that you can give up being an adult and you can start to actually sort of operate in another level, yeah. and one which is ultimately more simple. Um, but maybe, maybe simplicity is part of our. Uh, new, it's an old part that we've given up on, and we have to retrieve it and 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 start to live in the world more simply, yeah. and more regeneratively. Um, and you know, I think there's some sort of emerging insights sort of starting to come out of that thinking yeah. that m- that may become more evident in the future. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But. Yeah, I, I I think that that's another terrific point, isn't it? Living more simply, as yeah, we're, we're in in simplicity, but. You know, taking or, or cutting out some things that you don't necessarily need in your life. Yeah. So a lot of the time for me, it's bloody phone doing stuff, you know, looking at Facebook videos mm. or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Red yeah. herrings. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they basically overcomplicate yeah, stuff yeah. and uh, it's unnecessary. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... Anyway, it's a men's mental health show. Uh, of course, we're brought to you each week by Mounties and uh, Dale Hunt down there. He's doing terrific things at the moment. Just bought another couple of care flight helicopters to help out. Uh, the Sydney community, and um, so oh. yeah, kudos to, oh, wow. to, to you. He does a, some terrific things down there. There's a lot of a, a bad uh, media around clubs, uh, New South Wales, but what a lot of people uh, fail to understand a lot of the time is clubs can't make profit. Mm. Well, they do, uh, but those profits are then put back into the community, wow. and a minimum amount 
of that or percentage of that has to be put back in the community. I think Dale doubles that amount. Of, wow. Yeah, so he does some terrific things. But, uh, and also, too, to all manufacturing personnel, uh, recruitment in the manufacturing industry, you can get hold of Craig on 0416, Craig Beachy, 0416-700-870, or myself, 0404077666. Palm time, babe. Palm time. Like, what right. have we got, mate? Hit us with it. Well, it's not about heroes or uh, uh, role models. It's about ditches. 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 I thought you the might ditch. Have said, a like ditch. between New Zealand and Australia. Uh, well, that's another ditch. <laughs> so here I go. Ditches. Rains a flood of curtained water. Ditches cut a yard deep into Teatatu clays, brimming, bubbling, a helter-skelter release surging, draining the section of land we lived on. In summer, the ditches sprouted clumps of fern, daisies, buttercups, paspellum, a shroud to hide under. In that cool space, quietening, easing, easing the puzzling ways of the world. This green wound embrace a soothing stillness, one of many spaces to quench distress. I lived in that ditch a lot in that, in that time. A white farmer and his sons dig ditches to drain a swamp in Māori land, that old furphy of claiming unused spaces. Fina, a warrior woman, rallied her young people to refill the ditches. The swamp was an ecological treasure house. Protests repeated before this red-faced interloper evicted from the swamp his ditches and surveyor pegs strewn like chaff. Ditch the witch, a banner erected around the abbot, a stone-aged pugilist, mired in self-adulation, a masculinist rolling back the years when men paraded invincibility, gonads girt for battle. Budgies nestled against the pulsating priapic root of rottled revelry, still ditching the egregious abbot. Ditches dug by hand all over the world as redoubts, earthworks for demarcation. A million men in senseless advance for a hundred yards between ditches, bled out, groaning for their mothers, or drowning in mud from saturated soils, hmm. watered by the human tears and tearing of an inhumanity. I once dug ditches with grown men to house the footings for a gym, to carry the fight and flight of schoolboys. We men sang and bickered and joked about who was piss weak, who actually scored, and who only dreamed about scoring. Yet the work had a rhythm, a continuity. Each plug of clay raised above the head and swung onto the top of the ditch was a victory of sorts as we inched along, hanging out for a cup of tea and a smoke. Time was a metronome unticking its storehouse of calculated moments until the boss, snug in his office, yelled Smoko, a crack in the ceaseless grind of adulthood. Ditches of veined song lines crossing the planet. We cocooned and cloned in a digital cloud rarely think about them. They cease to exist. I remember my ditch, a slip and slide into a sylvan stillness. Mm. Wow. 
That's a poem. Yeah. That was fantastic. Uh, Christian. That was fantastic. <laughs> hey, you don't really know you need a ditch until you need it, don't, yeah. do you? Like, uh, go camping and yeah. and uh, pitch a tent in a in a puddle. Yeah. And then and, uh, and if your ditch it. doesn't work, you'll know it pretty quickly. Then you quickly. can, then you can <laughs> call exactly. it a psalm ditch. <laughs> <laughs> your psalms are ditches. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. It was. I enjoyed that. You, you put that together the last couple of days? Or yeah, yeah. Probably, I bet you do. I bet you don't. Be honest. I bet you did it this morning, didn't you? No, no it wasn't this morning. It was May the 14th. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and so what, uh, what uh, do you mind me asking, what uh, provoked that thought? The thought about ditches? Uh, I was reading an article by an Indian um, woman who's an artist, um, uh, Mitsul Sui was her name. It was an article in the um, Saturday paper. And she was talking about um, the, the two great challenges in the, in the world in her time growing up, which was colonisation and um, uh, migration, immigration, immigration right. story. Um, and in reading the article, it was a, beautifully, a beautiful article, she uh, nailed some real truths for me. And I think for me personally, um, the, the, the ditch was my w- way of hiding from the puzzle of being an immigrant child um, in New Zealand, starting off and coming to terms with all those demands um, of um, of an immigrant. You know, I spoke fluent, no English when I started school, so that was a challenge. You know, um, a, a assimilation. Um, my my lunch was thrown into the bin because it didn't comply with yeah. uh, the lunches. Um, you know, had, had Dutch food and herrings and that sort of stuff. So you know, all these adjustments. So yeah, that it was, was a refuge. For you, the, the ditch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, the puzzles of the of that other world, yeah. um, I found some relief from, and in, mm. in that sylvan soft uh, embrace of fern and paspalum and, mm. and, and flowers yeah. mm. that grew um, in the summertime. Um, but I had to help the old man dig those ditches too. And um, as a young carpenter, we dug ditches. You know, I mean, we're talking about the sixties. Uh, and all the bobcats that we use now automatically. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's what the, when I had the gardening business, the boys used to have, because I used to buy meter pots, 1,000 litre pots, right? And they would, uh, I'd buy 24 of them. So, because, so when the owner of the property would go to work, they'd seize and they'd come home and they'd have an immediate hedge, right? So these, then you're talking 150 bucks a plant or whatever. But the holes they had to dig, you know? And if you got to an area which is clay, you know, the whole every ditch is different, isn't it? You know, yeah, every absolutely. hole is different. Yeah, they're, they're sort of they're a bit of a oh god. They're, 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 I've got mixed feelings about the ditch because yeah. you've you've brought up the um, the trenches, yeah, yeah, in World yeah, War yeah, One, yeah, 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 which absolutely. are both a refuge and you know you know for the for the men who are fighting, yeah, yeah. and a scene of great misery, yeah, as, as Gra- well, greatest misery, the yeah, greatest uh, misery, and yeah. uh, at the same time, a ditch can be used for irrigation to yes. to irrigate and yeah. bring life to an area, but it can yeah. also be used, as you said, to drain yes an area like yes. a swamp, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and drain an eco an ecosystem, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so um, they, they have a they have many many functions. many roles many yeah, functions yeah, yeah, absolutely and mm. um, um, it's a h- historic artifact of a, of our uh, prior existence um, and for me um, it has special meaning um, uh, as a refuge as a place where I could sink into when yeah. it all got too much like a moat too like uh, yes. you know in fact uh, archaeologically yeah. speaking though we we find uh, the remnants of civilizations and townships and and battlements and things like that through their moat. The fact that we can see 
that there's been a ditch which has been dug and over years has, has filled yeah. in. Because disturbed soil has a different yeah. uh, uh, resonance, yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, yeah. And interestingly, also a good spot to find archaeological artefacts too because they're often filled with uh, silt mm, and mm, things that mm. were dropped into the moats <coughs> yeah. have yeah. been silted yeah. over, yeah. Uh, yeah. which presents an anaerobic, oxygenless environment which is uh. excellent for preserving artefacts and things like that. So uh. they're a great way to... When you're yeah. excavating a site, yes. excavate the ditch, you'll find stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and ditch the witch, you know, um, I mean, that was deeply offensive. I felt uh, um, the way the Gillard was, treat, oh, was yeah, treated. Sure. And, um, you know, I mean, she, um, yeah, it was, it was very little respect for a woman. There was no role modelling going on as, mm. as well. Mm. And I just think that... Um, but, 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 yeah, bear in mind, they'd also spoke to each other like that, you know, it, well, not just Gillard, the way they were even talking amongst themselves, you know. The, 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 the whole way that they treat each other or speak to each other is abhorrent at times, politicians. Um, but yeah, it's adversarial, isn't it? It's very adversarial. It's yeah, an, yeah. an old It's all about ego, model. isn't it? You know, it's, I find a lot of it's all about the ego as far as, you know, or... What can I do to make you feel worse than what you are the best? You know, mm-hmm. how can I make you feel, you know, as small as I possibly can make you? It's completely narcissistic, isn't it? Mm. It's, mm. They, as they yell insults at each other yeah, from their yell, respective exactly. ditches. But yeah, from the, the trenches. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel sorry for Julia Gillard. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. But um, yeah, hey, look, uh, it's, we've, we've come to the end of the show, boys. It's hard but, to believe we're here. Yeah, hey, man, guys, thanks. It's been a good show. It was an interesting discussion to sort of start up with, and um, I can always count on both sort of bring it back to what we're here for, um, and that is for mental health. So uh, we're here to be kind and be respectful, and I hope there's a lot of things that you can take away from what Christian and, and Bodie have said today. I, I certainly can. Um, and, and yeah, gentlemen, it's a, always a pleasure to have you both here. We, ha- we always have such a, a great discussion, don't we? And, and um, you know, we're, we're, we're quite... We'll let the listeners to go be the into judge that. of that. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Yeah. Sure. But, you know, um, to have a good talk and to open up, um, you know, the possibilities of doing things differently um, in ways that are kinder and um, more humane, um, you know, thinking about humanity... Um, I'm all for that. I mean, I've got no other reason to be on this planet other than to uh, explore those other options other than the adversarial sort of way of actually being in the world. I think it's no longer adaptive. I think it's become maladaptive and um, we're ripening for something else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, I think you're both good role models. You're good role models for me. In fact, I could could put you guys in my hero basket. I think I've told you that... (laughs) Both once before. Yeah, I yeah, do. yeah, I think you might have done that. I think you guys are my heroes. Is, and is there a dirty laundry in here as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what sort of basket are we in? <laughs> I've got one of those magic baskets, but then again, um, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm up against a sock. <laughs> Get rid of it. Hey, listen, we're back next week. We've got a chap called Aaron coming in who's um, he's a mental health coach for tradies. I, I noticed there's a couple of. I had another place, another lady contact me. Um, look, just for, for the listeners out there, that I get a lot of people each week uh, asking if they can come on the show. We, we can have people phone in. Um, try not to do it just for a couple of reasons, just so everyone knows. Um, one of those reasons is, first of all, only one of the microphones in the studio here will pick up 
uh, for the caller. So, which is not really a problem because we can share a microphone. But the other reason is to, uh, if you do come in, it, it's a lot easier, I find, to interact with people face to face, particularly when we're talking about something uh, so important, so personal as mental health. Uh, so, but I do appreciate all the emails I get to people asking uh, if they could phone in from various parts of the world uh, to have a conversation. Uh, but at this stage, yeah, we'd just like to get people to come into the studio if it's at all possible. Well, we've got some really good shows coming up. Moz, you're going to be back in two weeks, three I weeks? I hope so. Okay. Yeah, I should be here. Wonderful. Uh, so we've got, uh, and then we've got another lady that's doing uh, from Blacktown or uh, where we a fundraiser thing for, for Lifeline or... Um, Oh, anyway, it, it Pam's a name, I think. And I'll have to get onto that. I should have been a little bit more organised, but I wasn't. Next week, boys. Are you right? Good? You're good yep. next week? You're good for a couple of weeks? Yeah, totally. I awesome. look forward to it. Wonderful. Thanks well, for the conversation, guys. Yeah, thank you both. Mm. Yeah. See you next week. Men's Mental Health Show. Uh, 89.1 RVM FM.